All right. So we are in Romans chapter 8. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We have a lot of Bibles. So don't feel shy. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll have someone come on down. Uh, they need to see your hands high, though, because when you do this, um, we can't see you. So make sure to raise your hand nice and high for them. Um, a little bit more about myself. Uh, like Vince said, my name's Anthony. Um, I'm 26 years old. I'm married to Jessica. Uh, she's not here right now because our baby is being a little fussy this morning. Um, I just had a baby. Well, my wife just had a baby um, about three weeks ago. And so uh, if you see me uh, not with Jessica and out with another woman, tell Vince right away, okay? Uh, so uh, as I'm through this candidacy process. Um, but seriously, do it. Uh, um, I currently work at a school as a PE teacher, and then I just do a bunch of other things. It's called the Peak School. It's over in the Sunnyside neighborhood, and then I also uh, lead one of the RCs here. Um, so that just gives you a little bit more glimpse into my daily life here in Flagstaff. Um, so today we are, we're going to be talking about this theology of adoption. And I used to be a youth pastor, and there was this uh, one couple of youth pastors I knew. They were, they were a married couple. And they, they had some of their own kids, but they would go to Bulgaria, and they would adopt uh, some little Bulgarian children, okay? And these Bulgarian children, though, they were not your average Bulgarian children. They were a little crazy, okay? And they had different kind of, uh, let's just say, uh, problems and issues than, than most people do. And yet, we, this couple still uh, just adopted them, and, and they love on them so well. One of the awesome things, though, is these kids, they say crazy things. They say crazy things all the time. And her mom, who I'm Facebook friends with, posts those crazy things on Facebook. So I just wanted to give you guys some ideas of a, really, a real adopted child conversation, or a few, actually, that this adopted Bulgarian girl named Kylie has with her family. So this is Kylie. She, she has a few things. She's... And I, I don't want to make light of these disorders, but she's schizophrenic, she has autism, she has a few other things, and uh, she's an awesome kid. I know her um, pretty well over the years. But here's something she said to her mom. Uh, this is her mom's Facebook status. Kylie has been upset for a few days because the Taco Bell nearest our house hates her and has repeatedly tried to fight her. However, an air vent at China Bistro was hilarious and apparently flirting with her last night. She assures me there was no reciprocal flirting. If she asks, Taco Bell is a jerk, and the vent is just a good friend. So that's one thing she said recently. Um, another thing her mom says, Kylie, why are you upset? And Kylie responds, because everyone in this room smells like R2-D2. <laughs> okay, this is Kylie talking to one of her sisters. She says, Dari, will you, will you say just kidding? Dari says, but I'm not just kidding. And Kylie says, can you tell me a joke, then say just kidding? Dari says, okay, why is six afraid of seven? Kylie says, because it's schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two more. I like these, so too bad. Uh, <laughs> Kylie says, you shut your mouth hot, dog. You're not God. I don't have to listen to you. And this was Kylie setting the 2013 Harkins Cup straight. And then lastly, Kylie announced that she will not be wearing her purple dress to church anymore because it always tries to manipulate her. I don't think she has a purple dress, says her mom. <laughs> okay, so 
we're going we're gonna to be talking about adoption, so I thought I'd just have some fun with some adopted kids that I know. Mom, mom gave the okay on me sharing that stuff too, so don't think I went behind their back. Um, so, so today we're going to, first, for the kind of the structure for today is we're going to recap first, and then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of what, what it means to be adopted by God. And then we're going to talk about how that should affect our lives. So let's just get into it. Romans 8, verse 12. Okay. So then. All right, let's stop there. So whenever Paul said, he, he's just been doing this all of Romans. He says, therefore, so then, and this, and all these kinds of things that Paul says. We have to realize that Paul is about to probably summarize what he just said. Or he's about to add on to what he just said. And we're going to see that he's about to summarize what he just said. And so let's just take a moment to recap. The past few weeks, Vince has been talking about how the Holy Spirit comes in and does some amazing things in our lives. First, we see that Christ's death on the cross frees us and frees us from our past sins. That we're, we're no longer condemned from our past sins. But now, as Christians, the Holy Spirit invites us to walk with the Holy Spirit in life. That those, those past sins that still call out to us, the Holy Spirit is saying, no, walk with me instead. And then la- last week, Vince talked about how the Holy Spirit seals our future with God. That the Holy Spirit comes into our life and, and gives us life. That that one day we won't die. That one day we will get to live with God forever. And we might as well live in relation with the Holy Spirit now, especially because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And so that's where we've been. And so I think Paul is about to kind of summarize some of the things he said here in verse 12 and 13. So here we go. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so Paul Time and time and time again in Romans, he's just trying to show us there is a better way for us. He's trying to say, listen, sin, all that stuff that you want to do, that, that's no good. It leads to death. It, it, for Adam and Eve, it caused all of humankind to have a physical death. It will cause you and I to have a physical death. And if we keep walking in it, it causes us to have a death, of where, a spiritual death where we're separated from God. And so Paul is constantly trying to say, there's another way. There's a way now where you can be in relation with the Holy Spirit and walk in life. And so that's what he's inviting us into. And so we saw all kinds of things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives the last few weeks. The, the way the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And, and, and I love the idea of, of how Vince was using some different illustrations of how, as Christians, the Holy Spirit comes in and tells us, hey, don't go, don't go down that path. Don't do that. But what's awesome is the Holy Spirit isn't just here to say, hey, don't sin anymore. The Holy Spirit does that. But the Holy Spirit also comes in and changes our identity. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and helps us to realize that we are, that we are no longer who we used to be. And that we don't have to live that way anymore. And that God has new identity and identities really for us. Okay? So let's go into the verses 14 and 15, because they, they really flesh out one of these, uh, this identity that God gives us now. For all who are led by the Spirit, who, sorry, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
For if you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the Holy Spirit comes in and he he tells us that we're sons. So God comes and and he moves in our hearts in a way that that we realize that, that God, that we're God's children now. So God doesn't just say, hey, forget about sin, You're going to hang out in heaven with me forever. We're going to play baseball and we're going to fly in the air or whatever. He says, listen, I'm going to make you my child now. You're my son. You're my daughter. You are these things to me now. I've adopted you. And so what does it mean to be adopted by God? That's what we're going to talk about right now. What does it mean to be adopted by God? It means that God's simply that God sees you. He loves you. And he says, I want you as mine. And, and he does that. Right? He goes to, just like, just like my friend Shauna's kids, she would go to these orphanages and she would see them and she would love them and she would take them and adopt them and they are her children now. She took them out of the place they were in, which was some sketchy and scary situations, and she brought them into a new one. And God does the same thing with us. God looks at us and he sees us in the muck and the mire that we can't get out of ourselves. And he says, I'm going to take you out of that. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to adopt you. You are my son. You are my daughter. So adoption happens all by God's work. Is, there's nothing you can do to convince God to adopt you more. There's no way you can act that will convince God to say, man, i got to adopt this one now. And that doesn't make sense to us. As Christians, we get that, and we're like, yeah, that's cool, that's awesome. But I feel like we don't really live that out. We don't really live in the weight of that idea. In fact, I want to argue that that's because of our culture. Our culture constantly is telling us, you have to earn every relationship you have. You have to earn everything you have. You have to work hard for everything you have. You have to deserve everything you have. If you've ever caught yourself saying, I don't deserve that, you, you think this way in some way. You're, you're saying, Andy, that's, I don't do that. I'm, I'm killing it as a Christian. I get this. I get adoption, right? No, you're wrong. So, because I know a lot of you in here participate in something our culture does every single week that promotes works-based relationships. Where am I going, ladies? That's right, The Bachelor. Okay, so <laughs> The Bachelor, if you haven't seen the show, is this show, and sometimes it's Bachelorette, but I'm going to talk about The Bachelor. So it's this show where there's this single guy right now, Juan Pablo, dreamy, and has an accent. Ladies love accents. And there's this guy where he has like 30 women come onto this show, and every week he picks a few of them to keep going, and eventually he proposes to them, and then shortly after the show's over, he breaks up with them. And so, <laughs> and so that's kind of how the show works. And so this show, though, is all about workspace relationships. This show is all about doing things to, to deserve someone in a relationship, okay? So here's how the show goes. The, you know, he goes on different dates with the girls, and they do different things. And here's the sad part is, like, every girl, he's like, yeah, do you like chocolate? And she's like, yeah, I like chocolate. He's like, yeah, I don't like chocolate. And the chick's like, yeah, I don't like I mean, I, don't, I thought you should have chocolate. Like, I don't like it either. 
And they like totally change who they are. I hate that. I, I wish they would actually combine The Bachelor with Fear Factor because I think, anyways, uh, it's just a little idea I have for ABC. But um, so anyways, and so at the end of the show, these girls all stand up like they're about to get a class picture together. They're all dolled up and all these kinds of things. And he only has a set amount of roses for like two-thirds of the girls or whatever. And so he goes, Tiffany, will you accept this rose? Ashley, will you accept this rose? Rebecca, will you accept this rose? And it's always white girl names. And so um, I think it's racist too. And so, and so there's so many things wrong with this show. And so... But here's the thing. So my wife loves the show, okay? So I don't get on her too much. And, and so I'll watch the show with her, um, usually until I get so angry I leave. And a lot of times her friends come over. I've even, her mom's been there while we're watching it. So I've seen multiple generations of women, not just your 20-somethings 20, or whatever. So, but the, here's, here's what happens during the show, and especially during the rose ceremony. So what, what happens is they'll zoom in on Tiffany, who hasn't got a rose yet. And she's just, like, chilling there, like... Oh my gosh. And freaking out. Right? And it's silent. And I think ABC is intentional. Because all the viewers at home, this is what I begin to hear from like good Christian women. I'm like, man, you really love God. And then I'm like, wait, what are you saying right now? And they start going, yeah, he should not pick Tiffany because she is ugly. <laughs> he is way better looking than her. Let's be real. And then, or they'll be like, oh, Jessica, she should be out of here because... You know what? She's annoying and just all this stuff. And then what gets me mad is sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I'm, Tiffany is a jerk. Like, and then I'm like, dang it, they're sucking me into the show. <laughs> right? And so The Bachelor is everything opposite. It's literally everything opposite of God's adoption of us. Right? The Bachelor convinces women that you should earn your relationships, right? And I don't know, maybe you're like, Anthony, I don't think that or whatever, but I hear you during the show, and that is what you think. And so The Bachelor is everything opposite of God's adoption of us. Because The Bachelor says, some women don't deserve this man because of this one thing she did. Or some women do deserve this man because of how good of a person they are, or how they acted in this situation, or how they act around the other women. God's adoption is as if, if, if he was the bachelor, it's as if he does pick the most annoying chicks. And he does pick the most annoying women and the ugliest women and, the, and the, the messiest women, the ones that gossip and are so annoying and lying all the time. That's what, that's what God's adoption is for us. Because God is so holy and righteous that us compared to him, we look way worse than the annoying girls on The Bachelor. We look way worse. And so... If you, if you don't know what adoption is, here's your note that you take. Know that it's just God loving us so much and choosing us as his sons and daughters and, and just adopting, adopting us, just taking us in, making us a part of his family, making us sons and daughters of him. And so as, as God adopts us, the Holy Spirit comes in and you see that this, it says, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And that word Abba there was more like dad or daddy back then. I think it still is, actually. And and so what happens as God adopts us 
is he comes in, he, he moves in our hearts in a way that, that causes our hearts to cry out to God as if he's our father, as if he's our, our daddy, as awkward as that sounds for some of us guys. But, and, and I've actually, I've had some of those moments where, where I just cry out in a prayer to God and it, it just for some reason, dad came out of my voice. And that's not because I intentionally was like, oh, God, you're dad, and I've just drilled that into my head. It's because the Holy Spirit was doing something in my heart. And so if you, if you haven't ever experienced anything like that yet, just know that the Holy Spirit's working in your heart. The Holy Spirit continues to work in your heart, and you can invite the Holy Spirit to do things like that in your life. Let's go on to verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So, so spirit, the two different words for spirit there, one's the Holy Spirit, that's God, and one's just our spirit, our souls, what makes us who we are, that's, that's the other spirit there. And so, as we continue to walk in the spirit, as, as we saw in, early, in the earlier part of, this path of the chapter, the spirit just continues to confirm in us that we are ch- his children. He continues to, to let us know and that, that we're his sons and his daughters. And I, and I think that's amazing, but sometimes I look around, even at my own life, or at my brothers and sisters in Christ, and it seems like we don't get it. It seems like we forget that, that we are sons and daughters of God. And here's what's cool. It, it, I don't think Paul is introducing just first, it, it, I don't think this is the first time Paul is introducing the idea of adoption to these people. I think he's reminding them of it. Because in verse 15, he, he talks about how we have this spirit of slavery that we fall back into sometimes. And so I think he's reminding the Rom- Romans that, no, you're, you're adopted. And I think we need that reminder too sometimes. I think that's why this is God's word for us today. I think we quickly forget and struggle against being God's children. Just like real children struggle against what their parents want for them sometimes. And there's a bunch of reasons. You might feel like it's awkward to see, see God as your father or your dad. For me, it's kind of awkward because I had a really great dad growing up. And it's, it's hard for me sometimes to see God as, as, as my dad or my father. Or maybe you, you've heard this idea a lot. You've heard this idea that God does want to adopt you, that God does want to make you his son or daughter, and you're just like, I, I, don't, I don't want that. I don't like the things he has for me. I want to do my own thing. I, I, I'm a pretty good person. I want to do the things that I think I should do. And I know that even for me as a, as a follower of Jesus, I, time and time again, I, I know how I should live and act as a son of God, but I choose to live differently. I choose to go after things that I shouldn't go after. I just struggle against this idea that God is my father. If you ever talk to, to me or Nate, the, the worship leader here, for a little while and you say, hey, what's God been teaching you? We'll probably reference This American Life, which is a radio show. Um, and it's, a, it's basically a documentary about Americans' lives. And... Uh, and so recently I listened to this episode about it, uh, a family that adopted a child. And um, they adopted this child from an orphanage in another country. And this child up till uh, that point for seven years had just lived in this crib, in this orphanage. Very little human contact. 
Uh, he says there was another child, I think, with him in the crib at certain points in time, but they never really talked. And so this, this kid just lived really in isolation for the first seven years of his life. And so this family adopts him, and, and at first things are great. The kid loves life, but then as his eighth birthday rolls around, the, the parents try to say, hey, you have a birthday, and he's never, he's never celebrated his birthday before, so he's, he's like, very confused. And, and he's so confused that he thinks that his parents had have actually left him these last seven years in the orphanage because they explained to him parents and birth and how that works. And so he's just, he, he begins to develop this, this thing called attachment disorder. Because, and, and even after his parents explained to him, no, we, we didn't leave you. We're not really your actual parents. We're just people that have legally adopted you. Even after he understood that, he still has this attachment disorder, which would cause him to, to just be hate his mom and hate his dad and, and physically try to harm them and hurt them. And then he would act out at school in places. And, and this disorder for some people causes um, certain people to just murder people without remorse. And so the parents are very concerned. And they try all kinds of treatments. And they try all kinds of therapies. And, and just nothing really seems to work. But eventually the mom just says, I need to go to drastic measures. And the mom, eventually, when he's like eight, 10 or so, she, she decides, she heard about this therapy that they used to do where the mom would stay next to the kid and often hold hands with the child for like weeks at a time. And so she takes him out of school, she takes off work, and she just sticks with this kid all the time. She doesn't go to the bathroom with him, but everywhere else, she's with him all the time, holding his hand. And, and the kid, he said, over this six-week period, he remembers he would just be like, I hate her so much, and he would just struggle against it, and, she, and he would hurt her and all these things. But eventually, he said over this time, as they're interviewing him, he said, eventually, I, I was like, I guess she's not so bad. I guess, I, I, I don't know why I hate her. And this went on, and, and he kind of got better, and he got closer to, to his mom. But then as time went on, he, he's still doing a lot of crazy things at school. He's still kind of having some hard times. And so his parents, again, they're like, what do we do to, to help him away from this attachment disorder? And so his mom and his dad, they, they heard of another therapy. And this is what they ended up doing is that every day after he came home from school, and he's 13 years old at this point, they lay him on his lap. Or they lay him on their laps on the couch. And they feed him ice cream. Because he never developed that, that, that need that a baby has to be held. And guess what? They really do need to be held, Amelie. And so, that's my baby. And so, he, he never developed that because no one ever held him. And so they would feed him ice cream, this big 13-year-old kid, and, and ask him about his day and talk to him. And eventually, he, he walks away. He, he is incidentally cured from his attachment disorder. They're interviewing him on this on This American Life, and he's like in his 20s or older, and he's saying, yeah, I love my parents a lot now. I don't, I don't know why I was like that. I think we all have an attachment disorder with God. I think we all have an attachment disorder because of sin in our life. I think it's easier for us to struggle against what God has for us, to struggle as sons and daughters of, uh, of God and just say, I want to do my own thing. I want to do things my way because sin has come into this world and it's messed things up. And I think at some point or many points in our lives, we convince ourselves that God has lied to us. 
that whether maybe he's not really real or maybe he's not really there for us or maybe he won't provide for us. There's all kinds of ways we think that God has lied to us. And so we've lashed out and we've chose to sin against God. And, some, and I think more often than not, we unconsciously choose to sin against God. We don't even realize it. We're just putting ourselves in the place that only God should be. And so it messes things up and it causes us to have this struggling relationship with God, Christian or not. And yet God is here and he's saying, I want to adopt you. He's furiously saying, I love you. Come here. I, I am your father. I'm your daddy. Come here. And so God, and so God said, how am I going to fix this, this sin thing? How am I going to get rid of it? And so he sent his son. And Jesus came and he lived the perfect life we couldn't. And he died on the cross and God poured out his wrath towards sin on Jesus instead of us. So that we might become his sons and daughters. He pours it out on his own son. And so Jesus dies, and three days later, he, raise, he raises from the dead. And now, if we put our faith in, in that work of Jesus, we can be sons and daughters of God. If we realize that Jesus has done all we need to be saved, God adopts us. It's all God's work. It's all God's work that we're adopted. And there's other cool things that God wants to make us, and we'll see that in verse 17. I'm going to read 16 too, just because it's in the middle of the sentence. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That last part of the verse Vince is really going to hone in on next week. But God wants to make us his heirs. This is getting crazy because God not only wants to make us sons and daughters, but he goes, no, I also want to make you my heir. I want to give you my inheritance. I want to give you all that I have. Right? And if you feel like th this term sons in here has kind of been sexist throughout this, really what Paul is trying to communicate is how important sons were in that ancient times. Sons got the inheritance. Sons were close to the father. The sons be essentially became the, what the father was eventually. They were the, the livelihood of families back then. And God says, I want to make you heirs. I want to make you heirs so much that you're, you're fellow heirs with my actual son, Jesus. That's crazy because we're not Jesus, right? That's crazy because time and time again, we're struggling and we're fighting against God. Even as Christians, even as God has already talked to us and told us that we're his, we still struggle against him. And he says, I, I still want you to have my inheritance. And so what do we, so I'm going to say, talk about three things we get as being heirs of God. And there's probably more. But there's, there's three things I'm going to talk about. The first thing is we get to be close to the father. Like that of a firstborn son. Like that of a, a son that was going to inherit all of his father's wealth. We get to have a relationship with God that is one of the closest relationships you have. If you look at this, this earth, even it's crazy how many like daddy issues I have and I had a great dad. You know? And, and, and that's so important, having that relationship with 
with our actual fathers. And so God says, I, wanna, I am that actual father. I want that closeness. I'm going to love you perfectly. I'm going to be the good father. So we get that. We're in God's family. That's the first thing we inherit. Second, we get life. We get to live forever with Christ. We get to just experience God's glory for eternity. That's going to be crazy. It's going to be far better than anything on this earth. It's going to be that moment where you're at the Grand Canyon. You're like, this is amazing, but time's a billion, trillion, infinity. I'm serious. That's a real thing. I'm a teacher. Uh, I hear the kids say it all the time. Uh, and so, so we'll get to live forever with Christ in his glory. And I don't know what that's going to be like, but it's going to be better than here. And it's not going to be boring. So we get that. We inherit that. And then thirdly, we are heirs to all of God's promises for his people. There's all kinds of promises throughout scripture that God promises to, to us new covenant believers. And if you look at those promises, those are for you and for me. The idea that we're a nation of priests, the idea that we can approach God, the idea that, that Jesus has paid it all on our behalf, all of these things are promises that God has for us. The idea that he'll provide your every need. Those things are what God has for you as a son or daughter. So are you going to let God adopt you? Or are you going to continue to struggle? Because some of you in here, you haven't ever even said, God, yes, I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. Are you going to let this God who says, I love you enough to give up my son for you so that you could become my son or my daughter? But we resist because we're convinced of the bachelor way of things. We're convinced that we want to deserve things. We're convinced we want to work our things out and, and, and earn them. But God is saying, you can't earn it. You can't earn it. I've already paid the price. I've already taken care of it. Come here. I want to close with a, a story and a prayer and a story about how I saw someone really just affected by this idea of adoption. A few years ago, uh, I was uh, roommates with Zach uh, Walbear, if you know him, and he was going to Redemption Tempe, and I was at another church, and he said, hey, at Redemption tonight, they're doing like a little adoption class. Do you want to go with me? And it was going to be adoption, up, up, a teaching on the theology of adoption. So I go with Zach, and I said, yeah, sure. And we're sitting in this class, not very many people, 10, 12 or so, and we're sitting there, this teacher's teaching us adoption, and, and he just keeps saying this idea that, that God does everything we need to be adopted. That there's nothing you need, to, you need to do to be adopted. And there's this guy in the back of the class, and he has this confused look in his face, and he, he just raises his hand, and he goes, so I don't have to do anything to be adopted? And he's just very skeptical. And the teacher's like, yeah, there's... I mean, you have to put your faith in the work that Jesus has done, but there's no works that you do so that Jesus adopts you. And he's like, so I don't have to, like, say prayers at a certain time or worship God or do these certain things in these certain ways. And this teacher just said, no, they're, they're, you don't. You don't have to. It's all God's work. And I remember in that moment just praying over that guy and just saying, God, please let him get this. God, please let him understand that you've done everything that he needs to be adopted. 
And so we leave the class, and months later, I'm coming into a, uh, another random redemption service. I was double dipping, sinful. And, uh, and uh, I, was, I was there, and it, coincidentally, it was a baptism service. And I'm sitting there, and baptism services are awesome. And I see the guy going up to get baptized. He got it. He understood that God adopted him. And that is my prayer for you guys. That you will understand that you are God's son and daughter. And that is serious. And that is full of love and comfort from the Father. And so that is my prayer for you guys. I'm going to pray with me. God, I just thank you that you adopt us. I thank you that you love us enough that you would give your son even to adopt us. God, if there's anybody in this room that has never understood that they are a son or daughter of you, help them to realize that. God, if there's others in here that have never even come to you, have have done things their own way, I just ask that you would let them know that you have open arms to adopt them. And Holy Spirit, just move in their hearts now to run towards you like a kid would run to their father they need. God, thank you for adopting me. Thank you for loving us. And we just pray all these things in your mighty and holy name. Amen.